0: This episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast is brought to you by the Replanted Conference. Replanted provides a time away for caregivers to be refreshed, equipped, and inspired. To register, visit replantedconference.org. You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. It's for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. The Empowered Parent Podcast is a developmentally informed, trauma-sensitive, connected parenting resource. To learn more is at OneBigHappyHome.com.
1: Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hey guys. Hey Chris. Christopher. And how are we this lovely recording evening?
2: Uh, hot. Yes. stupid hot in Texas. Yeah, I,
1: I was observing uh, before we started, before Ryan pressed the big record button, um, that in Globe, Arizona, where I have done some, uh, Some work with teenagers helping build houses on the Apache Reservation there. It's a whole 10 degrees cooler than it is here in DFW. And it's a dry heat.
3: You know what? There really is something to the whole dry heat. No,
1: I I agree. There really is.
3: You can't Um, breathe, but it's like opening the oven, but it's it's not like draining.
1: Well, see, like for me, with my allergies, going to the desert is like a blessing because... (laughs) <laughs> There's nothing growing out there that makes me Well, that's stop true up, too. right? Yeah. So
3: I actually breathe better in the desert, but um, that could be the name of your album <laughs> goes to the de- going to the desert
2: well, I didn't you know, you always hear people say like, the dry heat's better, and I mean, mm. I've always been in Texas. It's always been humid and sticky mm. and gross, and
3: not as humid as not as yeah, not as humid as, as, hu- so
1: yeah,
2: as, humid as some the other places. All that.
3: Oh my gosh, are we going to outgrieve each other? <laughs> well, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, but I went to Arizona, so my grandparents lived in Arizona, and I went out there to visit them. And when we were we were outside, and it was hot. It was like it was March, okay. so it wasn't like the summer even, mm. but it was like ninety degrees. I mean, it was hot. But when you'd sit in the shade, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was like we would sit under the canopy, and it was like, as long as you weren't standing in the sun with it baking down on you, Mm -hmm. it wasn't that hot. And I was like, okay, now I understand what they mean. (laughs) Like, I I did never, like, I could not imagine it or fathom what that meant. But literally, it was like if you sat in the shade, it didn't feel 90 degrees. And I'm like, in Texas, you sit in the shade and it feels 10 <laughs> degrees hotter than it actually is.
3: Um, do you remember <sighs> the last episode that was published ahead of this one, um, we had Carida on, and she, at, at the end, reminded us of the weather.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Um, and so people actually text me what the weather is at their house. Nice. Um, huh. A fair amount, which is just rude. <laughs> So please, everyone, keep doing that to Ryan. So, oh, so I literally goodness. just, I eventually just stopped responding last
1: night.
2: You're like, I can't um, handle that. I so, so knowing mutual, it. Our
1: mutual friend, uh, Brent McKinney, yes. texted me and our other mutual friend, Mr. Nathan Lee, um, yesterday evening. Um, Brent uh, and his wife, Tracy, have recently relocated to Ames, Iowa for, okay. for, for work. He's uh, employed by a church there. And... Um, <clears throat> It was 47 degrees. Stop <laughs> it. That's just rude. Uh, yep, at I like 9 o'clock at night or whatever. Just, I no care. I had very unkind. Let's just say I did very unkind let's
3: words. Uh, you would have to have zero empathy to, to, to text the temperature to somebody in Texas if it's 45 at your house. Just to the point, because like, I want to talk about the weather. At 7 o'clock tonight, here, as of the recording of this, it was 105. Yeah. yeah. At 7 o'clock this the evening. The
2: sun yeah. was like almost completely down. And I was like... Why? It's so hot.
3: Like <laughs> okay, everybody turns into Chris Christopherson. Why wow, me,
2: Lord? <laughs>
1: yes. it's, the, it's the location of, of Dallas Fort Worth. Oh. We, we see that, that little confluence of different been, systems. This is, the it's summer has been, been it's bad. It's been brutal. And I knew it's it was going to be bad because we had such a pleasant spring.
2: We actually had a spring this we year. We did actually have a spring. There, there are cycles, we're have a though, nice right? Winter yeah. too. Uh, we have um, a,
3: bad, a hot summer. We have a, 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 a um, oh, yeah, cold winter, and then if you have like a wet spring, you tend to have a mild summer. Yeah. Okay, well It was a really
1: pleasant spring and I was like, yeah, summer's going to be bad now. Uh, summer's going to be bad. Because for those of you who don't live in North Texas, we usually, you know, for those of you who live in places where you actually have four distinct seasons, yeah. Here in North Texas, it's pretty much 3 weeks of winter, pre-summer, summer and post-summer. Like there's there, <laughs> there's right. there's no big demarcations. Yeah. A whole yeah. a whole it's, lot of time. It's it's
3: the summer when the leaves fall off the trees. <laughs> it's the summer when it's really hot and then there's the summer when the leaves grow
1: back. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> And it's uh, like, for for instance, here just a quick example. Halloween. Halloween is completely hit or miss on how cold or hot it's going to be. My yes. kids have been dressed up for Halloween's in years past, where we had to take them out of their costumes because you know those cheap costumes that you buy at the stores are made from the worst polyester. Yes. Stuff that you possibly can can make that stuff out of. It's really hot. And, and they're, they're just sweating, standing there yeah. at night. Yeah. <laughs> but then we've had the other dark. ones where it was like well, you had, had to, to bundle up right. with their yeah, winter coats. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, North Texas is a, is a weird little place for, for Very weather. Very strange weather. You
3: to, like so many millions of people live here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, any, anyhow, oh, um, when, when people ask me to explain how hot it is in Texas in the summer, I'm like, you know other places where people tend to go flip-flops? Or bare feet in the summer. You can't walk outside without shoes on in Texas. <laughs> like literally, if you walk from our Pouring front door to go get the, sheet the mail, kind of like, she puts her shoes on. I'm like, mm-hmm. where are you going? Just to get the mail. Like, she's like, <laughs> I don't want blisters. I'm like, it is so hot. Yeah. So hot. But you literally cannot go outside without your shoes on in Texas yep. in the summer. Yeah. Well... Now that we're going to get kicked, uh, you know, deported from North Texas for hating the weather. <laughs> what you got, Chris? Oh, you know what? I know what you got, but topically, I just said now that we're going to get kicked out of North Texas. <laughs> well, you did, you know,
1: we we're talking about kind of the seasons, and we are in... The season we're not quite officially in fall as of yet because it's still earlier in September
3: or summer when the leaves grow back, <laughs> <Right>. as
1: we <we've> previously <laughs> established. <Right. laughs> it, it's still very much summer here, uh, but school has started. Mm. And uh, one thing that we've talked about, we've kind of mentioned a little bit in in uh, past episodes when we talked about uh, our kids in school, but um, we haven't really gone deep on is what we kind of call the double whammy, yeah, and what I mean by that is, a kid has a, a big behavior that results in them getting in trouble at school, and then they come home, and either we already know about the big behavior, or they have to tell us by way of the note they gets sent home with them, yep. and and then we get to you know pile on, so to speak. So I thought we maybe could a, go a little deeper and address that.
2: Yeah, I remember, um, like early on, when, like as a new. Ish parent. New ish. I guess maybe my kids had just started school or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, they get, so we homeschool our kids, but they've always been in some form of school where they've gone to a co op or a yeah, some sort of hybrid model. Some kind of a yeah. hybrid yeah. model. It's never been 100% at home. <clears throat> so there's always somebody, you know, reporting back on behaviors and things like that. But I remember um, this one mom and we were talking and she was saying stuff like, you know, my kid comes and gets in the car every day and she said, and they hand me the note and I can tell the way they hand me the folder, whether or not there's a smiley face or there's a sad (laughs) face on there. And she said, and I was trying really hard to like, you know, every time they got in the car to, you know, encourage them to have a smiley face. And so she said, so if they had a smiley face, I'd have like a, a treat for them, like a little sucker or a little piece of candy or whatever. And she goes, and I noticed there were less and less smiley faces And she said, and then she said somebody encouraged me to stop rewarding or punishing, so to speak, Mm -hmm. the behavior at school and ask a completely different question when they got in the car, not even looking at that, not, you know, just have something you're doing as soon as school's over and, and not having any kind of response to the smiley face or the sad face or whatever. And obviously these are little kids. Yeah. And. and she goes and all of a sudden there were more smiley faces than sad faces on the report Mm. and she said because i wasn't putting a lot of weight on it there wasn't this like pressure to come home yeah and like oh gosh i gotta tell mom i had a good day or i had a bad day or Mm -hmm. whatever and um and that was kind of what started me down the path of of looking at like how do we respond when our kids have a bad day at school like should we, you know, I mean, I was a classroom teacher. So, you know, I remember telling you know all about bad days. school. Yeah, I mean, I had kids that, you know, would have some pretty rough behaviors. And, and I, I think initially I was like, all right, what are you doing at home? <laughs> How are you going to stop this from happening? Mm-hmm. But over time, I think as I became a parent, and as I got a little more, you know, seasoned as a teacher, I realized that Whatever happened was happening at school, I needed to take care of at school in order to, you know, correct whatever behavior or whatever trajectory we were going on. I couldn't just rely on the parents at home to... Yeah do something about. They weren't there when it happened. Like how are they supposed to do something about it? You know? And so I kind of, you know, over the years, probably the last ten years, I have talked to so many parents and their kids come home and they're like, Well they got suspended. Now what do I do? Mm. You know, or they got detention, what do I do? And I'm like, Well you figure out what was going on and how can you support them so that it doesn't keep happening.
3: So you know, when Chris was asking his question before before you I like that seasoned uh, parent, right, because that's the confluence of maybe I've got some experience, some wisdom that has come as a combination of experience and age. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking, why, like what drives the need for the double whammy? hmm like right so like why do parents look at the get the little note from the school or they got an email from the teacher or however the school chooses to communicate those things a telephone call
2: yeah that's call like, from that, the that, principal's that's like, office that's like the worst one
3: Yeah. cuz we, we got pick our uh, we got pick Addie up uh, a couple of days a week early cuz she has therapy appointments mm. and uh and every single time i'm in there there's you know, somebody there's some there some parent who's, who's been summoned Ugh. to come and get the kid now the reason you get summoned is because then you get really talked up because you had to like tell your boss you had to leave yeah. or you had to stop what you were doing or whatever, right? So, so I don't understand how that factors in. But why do we, when we, when the the child is struggling at school, and particularly for the, the for for the, I mean, I get that there are pe- people who are parents because they they had bio kids who listen to this, but still the majority of people listen to us foster and adoptive parents, right? Yeah. Why is it that we get so torqued up and really think, oh no, what, whatever the school did um, to address this issue is we're doubling down at home? Look, why is that?
1: May I venture a guess? I was hoping. I have two Kay. guesses, actually.
3: This is much better than me asking a question and having you stare at me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, one i think it is is a supermarket reaction right like it's we're embarrassed
2: it's embarrassing yeah
1: it's embarrassing yep. as a parent for your child to misbehave even though it's perfectly natural for it to happen right, right.
2: do we it, forget it's not like it doesn't happen at home like right. it's not like we're like oh well they're perfectly Wait. behaved at home yeah but hold on it's this the, this ties I'm in
3: back, uh, yeah the supermarket thing right because yeah. right. other people see it right yes yeah
1: and answer number 2 kind of ties into that it's almost like Okay, so you kind of know how your kid behaves at home because mm-hmm. you're with them at home repeatedly. You see, you see it, right? Right. But for some weird reason, I think a lot of us have this mental f- switch that we flip, where we our expectations are completely different <laughs> when they're not in other at places, home, right? Yeah. yeah. Like they're like it's the same kid. They're not necessarily going to behave any differently when they're not with you. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, t- t- for me, knowing how. What's, what's the polite way to say this? <laughs>
3: we'll come back to Chris in a minute while he workshops this in his head.
1: <laughs> N- knowing what little jerks, shall we say, my my voice can be to me and my wife at times, to have other adults come to me and tell me what wonderful, young, well-behaved, uh, polite. M- polite young men we're raising, it's like... Is it the same kid?
2: <laughs> right? Are we looking at the same children? Oh, my gosh. We're
1: talking about, you know, this guy, right? And so I, I think sometimes that that's probably it, right? Like To me, the, I guess those are the two that I would instantly go to if it was me, right? Yeah. Like, I'm embarrassed, and then I probably do not have a realistic expectation on my kid's behavior outside the home even though I know what their behavior is inside the
3: home. those are really those are two really good points but it was some of the commentary in there that, that I was really intrigued by sure <laughs> I'm sure no there um, because 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 we kind of in, encountered this as a little bit today mm. with this like your behavior outside of the home is much greater better than your behavior inside of the home mm-hmm. uh, and I felt super justified in pointing that out by the way <laughs> Um and she didn't say, honey, or come to me after a sober She may have felt that I was just in pointing that out <laughs> as well. But um, what if, what if the news there is that you've actually created an environment in the home where the children feel safe and they don't have to pretend?
1: Right.
2: Yeah.
3: Because anybody who knows me knows that, that like, Carol Dweck should be sending me 25 cents for every <laughs> book she sells because I recommend, <laughs> like, reading Mindset. Like to everybody, I'm like there's two books you need to read: the Bible and Mindset, okay <laughs> um, and um, and I think that you should read the Bible then mindset, and read the Bible again because you'll read it differently <laughs> after reading mindset. Mm. Um, but she talks about how there's research, and that on average, a child does something once every seven minutes that adult an adult could correct, so the res- could correct yeah, so the research says that children behave, misbehave once every seven minutes.
2: I'm sure it's more than that, but I mean, <laughs> it right? Depends I mean, on the kid, right? That's on average, yeah. Yeah, that's your average.
3: Which average kid?
1: Which, which is that's the average, yeah. Which means there's a lot of kids out there. It's probably one every
3: three minutes, two or three minutes. Yeah, no, I get it. Right, yeah. Ooh, I get it right, but but here's the thing about that: parents forget two things. Parents forget that the kids are kids, mm-hmm. right? And and the kids don't have the cognitive capacity or the lived experience, or have figured out how to play the game, or whatever, right? Number one, that's number one thing we forget. Since you, you raise two points, I'll raise two as well. Okay. You better think of two points, because we're okay. doing it by twos.
2: Sounds good. Two by two.
3: Um, number one, we forget that children will very frequently act like children.
1: Which uh, uh, another podcast host, who I'm not going to name so we don't get hate mail, um, once remarked about children, especially boys, is that they're like little Vikings who are constantly going around pillaging and plundering. And it's our job as parents to tamp that down slowly over time as they mature to turn them into, you know,
3: proper but, young gentlemen. Because at the end, because at the end of the day, parenting is about, about taking the child and saying, okay, Lord, I'm floored that you trust me <laughs> to, to, to bring, to help bring the potential out of this human.
1: Yeah. mm mm-hmm.
3: right I mean that that, that that at the end of the end of the day right is is, is, is the big is a big part about parenting. And so num- number one um, we sometimes forget that kids will act like kids. Yeah. yeah let me try that again. We often forget that kids will act like kids.
2: Yeah
3: and number two, we have wiped our memories clean of how we acted as children. <laughs> Of course, because because in the memory bank, and I was like, I would never. Yeah, you know what? You probably did. <laughs> you got in a lot of trouble for being mouthy when you were young, son.
2: I was going to say, I I remember the days of you know the little you know six week or nine week report card things that would come home in your folder, and and you would get the little there was like this space where each of the teachers could like write a little comment, right? And they had like oh little Lord. they had like little pre chosen comments that they could put on the little thing right so it was like a joy to teach or um <laughs> i mean i got that a few times right saying not, so we'll look on his um, <laughs> but the one i probably got the most frequently was talks too much in class okay. <laughs> um no. and that was and it would be on the bottom of your little your little report would be the teachers would would decide which of those things right you know and that's that's it like kids being kids, right? You know, they're talkative, they're chatty, they want to do stuff. Yes, we're learning, we're we're learning. We're teaching them how to talk at appropriate times, how to, you know, push back when it's appropriate and mm. and and to hold your tongue when it's not appropriate and to wait until a private moment to have a certain conversation versus having it in front of the whole class and those kinds of things. Because school's a learning ground, right? So I think, you know, as you know, the back to your original question, why do we feel the need to come down so hard on them? I think, you know, my first instinct is yeah, it's kind of like the grocery store thing. It's kind of like, oh my gosh, I need these, I need the teachers in the school to think that I'm a good parent. Mm -hmm. And I think that a good right? yeah, yeah. And I think that a good parent, make sure their kids don't misbehave. I think that is kind of what's ingrained in us as, you know, as we've, you know, in adulthood, you know, it's like people say, oh, you're a good parent if your kids don't misbehave, right? Which,
3: there are no good parents.
2: Which, yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't think that's a really good representation. That's the
3: yardstick. There are no good parents.
2: But that's what we, I think that's what we're ingrained to believe. I would say that if
1: your kids probably not misbehaving, you are parenting wrong, right? Like...
2: Like, like, what's happening? Why are that's going to be such a, a repressive,
1: oppressive, yeah, yeah. environment that. if your kid's not bait I hadn't baby, about right? that.
2: Yeah, but I think so. I think it's it's we want to be viewed as a good parent. So it's the embarrassment, but even more than that, it's it it's a deeper like I want people to think I'm a good parent. You know, mm. like I know you know when I when I'm packing lunch for our kiddo that's in public school. When I pack her lunch, I'm thinking about like. You know, I want it to be nutritious and I want it to be something she'll eat. And then I think, you know, when we get to those days where there's like literally nothing in there, I'm thinking, what are they going to think if I send this like, you know, random stuff? Because that's all I had. What what if we
3: sent the leftover mixed vegetables from dinner on Monday and on Tuesday. And
2: on Tuesday, right? Are they going to think I'm a bad parent? Like I don't. I, I don't.
3: That happened it's... last week, and I thought that.
2: Yes, I mean, you you have these thoughts because you don't. Or maybe know. she
3: just really likes to mix veggies.
2: Right. Exactly. And Daddy but cooked
3: I, them on the flat top, so of course. Uh, but I, she's a fan of my cooking.
2: I do think, though, that that some of it is, it's what we think we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh. as a parent, That's we a hold think. Hold of the episode right there. It is. <laughs> well, I think we think. I have to support the teacher, you know. Mm -hmm. I I remember um, as a teacher, I remember saying to the parents at orientation one time, I'll only believe half of what your kid comes to school saying about you if you'll only believe half of what they come home saying about me. (laughs) Can we just like meet in the middle, right?" right? Because we know that we have to be a partnership and i know they're going to come to school and i would have kids that would come to school and and, and say stuff and i'm thinking i'm sure that's not exactly what happened mm-hmm. you know i'm sure there's another side to the story because as a parent i realize that my kids definitely push push things in their own favor when mm-hmm. they're telling the story right
3: what everybody does Everybody that, does. to be fair to them right you're always yeah. you you that's a mark twain the hero. mark twain said there's Your side, my side, and the truth. Like every story has three sides.
2: (laughs) Right, exactly. So I would always say to the parents, you know, like, hey, I'm going to believe half of what your kid says about you and your family if you'll believe half of what what they say here because there's always two sides and all that kind of stuff. And so I feel like we go into the year and it's like, oh, we have to have this partnership with the school. And so we feel like our only option to partner with them is to then punish the kids for doing bad at school.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: But I have think that our we have to shift it, and it can't be that we say partnering with a school is punishing our kids because mm-hmm. I don't think those go hand in hand. I think partnering with a school is helping our kid get to a place where those behaviors are not a problem at school. Right, And that's going to be a totally different thing than punishing them because right. when I say, oh, my kid got suspended from school, so now you um, are grounded for a month, you know, what have I done? I haven't taught my kid anything in that moment. I've just punished them again.
1: I think this goes back to something we've talked about in the past. We've done episodes about consequences and that a lot of times with behaviors, there's a natural consequence involved Right. that really, there's no need for us to add on any additional punishment, even though we feel obligated to for whatever reasons, you know, the way we were raised, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think, It's the same kind of thing here, right? Like, there's a natural consequence because the school has rules. And when the rules are broken, this is what happens. Right. right? So there's a
2: school-imposed consequence. I don't have to come in and add on an additional thing. I'm not marching up to the school saying, like, I'm not marching up to the school going, you can't suspend my (laughs) kid, right? Like, I'm so sorry that happened, buddy. That's really tough. You know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to look at the, you know, school and say, you know, there are times when the school is overly punitive yes. and I'm going to yeah. go to bat, right? I'm going to go to bat for my kid if I feel like the school's being overly punitive. But if the school rule says, if you punch a teacher, you're suspended for two days, then I'm not going to go, well, I mean, he was a little <laughs> dysregulated. No, I get it. The yeah. school rule is you're going to punch. The teacher probably needs him to be gone for a couple of days just yeah. to cool down anyways, right? But I can say man, that must have been, you You had a really hard day. I mean, it's not okay to punch your teacher. So let's figure out how we can make sure that doesn't happen again. Right.
3: So so there's a lot that's been said here um, that needs to be expanded on. And Chris said, that's for another episode. (laughs) So I had an idea. Okay. What if we did this? What if we just literally said, you know, that's all we're going to talk about right now and then just, count to three and just keep the conversation going instead of stopping and starting a new episode with all the stuff and so it just fades out of this one and then the next episode just picks the conversation up right here okay that sounds good sounds good
1: so picking up where we left off about kind of the natural consequences involved with school breaking school rules
2: yeah because i think you know we were talking about the fact that we think it's what we're supposed to do to partner with the school. Yeah, I wanted to get I, want to
3: get back to that.
2: Well, because okay. because we think we have to partner with the school. Which I totally agree. As a former classroom teacher, I need the parents to partner with me when there are big things happening at school. But that doesn't mean that the parents go. I side with the teacher and the school, and we're it's us against the kid, right? Yeah. I mean, if you've ever listened to any episode of our podcast, you. You know, our listeners know that that's not what we think. Like, that's not where we're coming from. We are our kids' biggest advocate, meaning we're coming alongside them, and it's us against whatever problems in front of them. It's not us against the teacher. It's not us against the school. It's us against this behavior and what's causing it, like Mm -hmm. getting to the bottom of it. And that's always what we're looking at. When they're at home, we're looking at the why behind behaviors. So when they're at school, we're doing the same thing. It might be a little trickier, though, because (laughs) I'm not there. Right. So I'm going to have to do a little more investigating. And the teacher has 20 other kids that and the they have teacher to pay attention to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, we get enough questions. Like, I have six kids at home. How on, <laughs> how on earth do I get to the bottom of the behavior when I've got six kids? And they've got 20 or 30 kids in their yeah. classroom. So it is tricky. And it, it, it can be a lot trickier to get to the why behind it. But we know our kids best. So we can go, okay, well, here's some ideas I think might happen, you know, might be causing this. Yeah we can ask some questions of the teacher and of the principal, like how are you addressing this? Like mm-hmm. w- what does this look like? Because it might be in the execution of getting them to stop doing one behavior or move on to another activity or whatever it is, that there's something very small that could be tweaked that could help change the trajectory of how things go. All right.
3: so, so there's a lot there, and I hope I can remember all the things <laughs> I, want, I wanted to talk about. Uh, number one, this idea that we act the way we think that, that we think we're supposed to. Yeah. I think th- I think that that was good because I think your two your two points were the the grocery store or supermarket reaction that Chris is talking about because you want other people to think you're a good parent, and so you get embarrassed, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, Kayla and I were talking about this the other day, um, earlier this week, over co- over coffee, maybe even yesterday, um, about how if you if you googled the word humble. Or you search for humble humility, uh, or any kind of uh, for just a word search in the Bible, or a topical search on humility. It turns out there's a lot of verses that it returns, mm-hmm. and, and 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 so you know as you know Kayla talked about being seasoned in the previous episode, but I think that that sort of the seasoning of me is that is that I is that as I get older and hopefully it's a function of getting wiser. Mm. Is that, is that I don't look at things. I'm trying hard. I don't get it right all the time, but I'm trying to not look at things in terms of good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But instead, was that beneficial or not? Mm. Did that help or not? You know, you know what I mean? Um, because we, good and bad are are oftentimes just judgment calls by us. Yeah. Now, again, if there's an objective standard, like you know, if you hit the teacher, you, you know, you you strike the teacher in any way, you you're suspended for two days. That's objective, but so much of the behavior is in the realm of, well, that was bad behavior. That was good behavior, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah it's very it's subjective. It's very subjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
3: the question I th- that, 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 I, that that I hope that, that the parents who listening to us would ask, well, was this beneficial or not? Yeah. Does this help build the relationship or hurt the relationship? And if you will frame your actions in those terms, then what you're going to find is the double whammy is not beneficial.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But, but that's the thing that, that, you know, the mindset thing. You have to change the way people think. You have to change the way people view the world because most of us, and, and again, you, you all know that I, that I want to do like nine episodes about how your brain processes information. And one day, you all are going to agree. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. We've done a lot of brain episodes. I like talking about it because understanding how we communicate is like beyond. Like it's foundational. Like, if, like we can skip a lot of the things, but if we don't understand how we process information... Then we're not doing anybody a favor, including ourselves and our kids. And so, because you know, you likely had your parents who who punished you, whether that was, you know, um, you know, I, I'm sure one of my parents, at least in in the form of yelling at me or my mother hitting me with a wooden spoon or whatever. Child, as a child, uttered this phrase: "You're not going to embarrass me, embarrass me again." Oh
2: yeah,
3: right. I mean, we, we'd likely a lot of us heard that. Growing up, and so that's again, we think that's what we're supposed to do based not on what we think that, and it's complicated because it's based on what, what you think the school wants you to do,
2: mm-hmm.
3: what the other parents think you should do, right? What your parents um, programmed into you, and that's just based on your childhood experiences. I mean, like that, yeah, yeah, they, they clockwork <laughs> orange to you or anything. I just mean the, the, the results of your childhood experiences, yeah. um, and so it's complicated. Yeah, and I think the first step in all this is is recognizing that 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 God is 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 makes it very clear that He is on the side of the humble. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and to say to like look and say what why do I react the way I do, and how can I be different about it? Because it's not beneficial to come down. Look, the kids had a sucky day. Yeah, like it's not fun. Like even if you're a poorly behaved kid, and I my friends and I got in a fair amount of trouble in, in high school. In middle school. Um, but even At in elementary that. School. <laughs> I was just thinking the same <laughs> thing. <sighs> <sighs> you know, there's nothing quite as heartwarming as support.
1: <laughs> the people who know you best.
3: Oh, uh, anyhow. So, but what I'm saying though is that, is that, is that it's fun hmm. until you get caught. Yep. Nobody likes getting busted, right? <laughs> I mean, and then you get home and then, and you know, but my house is complicated because my dad was always on my side. And your mother never was. My mother's always on the school side, uh. mm. and so they had to go at a parent-teacher conference, and they came back, and she was
2: fuming. <laughs> and he was
3: like, "I ah, just leave him alone."
2: <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, no, I, I just think that it's it's so complicated, and it's so. Um, and you get a mixed bag when it comes to school as far as how they respond, because Mm -hmm. especially with our kids, because if they know that our kids have been in foster care, um, were adopted, have experienced any kind of trauma, any of those kinds of things, they um, sometimes will have an approach of, oh, they've had a hard life. Mm -hmm. And they let them get away with more than they would other students. Mm -hmm. Other times they have labeled our kids because of their past experiences as a defiant kid or as a bad kid, and mm. they get in trouble for everything. And then other times you're in the middle somewhere where the, you know, the teacher recognizes them, you know, sees them for who they are and wants to help them, you know. Yeah. Get so I think you get a mixed bag. So you never know, you know, from year to year, and especially as they get older and they have multiple teachers, you don't know from class to class what yeah. what's going to happen. And so you know, whenever I'm looking at, you know, whenever I have like coaching clients who will say to me, you know, okay, my kid is getting in trouble at school and I'm not really sure what to do. Like they keep calling me to come pick the kid up from school, um, because they can't handle their behavior. And I'm like, well, what are they doing at school? Nothing. They just send them to the principal's office, give them some candy and call me and tell me to come pick them up because they really don't know what to do with them. And so I say, well, in that case, then I say, no, no, I will help you figure out what to do. But my job, mm-hmm. like your job as the school is to educate my child. If you're struggling to educate my child, then let me help you have some tools right. for you know, regulating behavior at school. Right. And I'm going to give them some of my best pointers. Like what are some things, like if my kid does really well, if they have a snack, then I'm going to say, hey, when you notice behavior start to spiral they here's a stash of snacks you can keep up there and mm-hmm. give my kids a snack you know send them to the counselor's office or to the, the and, nurse the nurse and they'll give them then, yeah, yeah she's got some juice for him or whatever whatever it is that helps my kid calm if i know it i'm gonna share my secrets yeah like, so
1: like uh, in, in our uh, iap iep yeah iep mm-hmm.
2: oh, Yeah, uh,
1: for our youngest in elementary school because he's in middle school now um It was in there that if he needed to, he could go down to see the counselor who had one of those little mini uh, trampolines, and he could just bounce on the little mini trampoline for a few minutes.
2: And it's like just little things like that. If the school knows and is willing to accommodate those things, it can help alleviate so many behaviors. But sometimes we just go, well, they know better. Mm. they, they do, they've done fine. And then just today they just decided to do it. Mm. Either we say that or the school says that Mm. somebody, somebody decides that this is willful, defiant disobedience based on whatever, you know, just being tired of it or whatever. And, and so when we have that approach to it, when we have that, um, that mindset, about our kids right where we have um we i think we talked about this in a in a previous recent episode we talked about like this bias that we have like if our kids are doing a certain thing or the teacher might have if they keep doing a certain thing they decide that it's willful that it's defiant that it's Mm -hmm. disrespectful that it's they have to stop this behavior blah 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 and nobody ever gets to the bottom of it like oh every day at math we have this behavior like Huh, I wonder if this kid's struggling with math. I wonder if math is really hard. You know, because that is, you know, the time of day that this happens or maybe this maybe math is right before lunch and mm-hmm. their blood sugar is, you know, can't quite make it that far and we need a snack before we start math and then we can maybe it's not not about the math, you know, we have to start looking at what is it? instead of just trying to like when the, like i am not a fan of when the kids get in trouble at school you come home and add a punishment onto it because no. that is just saying that that's kind of give up mm. that's well okay well we're going to double down on it it's we need to have a system of getting to the bottom of the behavior so that it doesn't keep happening
3: yeah so um i think we need to be honest about school though right Education is important. Like we value education. We, we've both worked in education, so I don't want anybody here we're really saying like education. This anything that Education is important, but what we also have to recognize in that same minute is that for kids, particularly kids who are in the foster care system, school is a very, very difficult proposition. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a very difficult proposition because if a, if a child's had multiple placements. That typically means multiple schools. So they're the new kid in school multiple times. Yeah. They might be behind in some of the work because of the moves. Um, you know, your belief system because of your, of your experiences is now, um, I'm not smart. Yeah. And so then you start struggling in school and then all of a sudden you're getting bad grades and then you get into trouble and then it just reaffirms everything that you already believe negatively about yourself. And, and we don't factor that in all we go is Johnny's behaving badly I need him out of my class and I'm not even mad at the teachers for that because people might say well that's surprising to hear that you're not upset that they were kicking look the, the, that, that's a big task yeah right being in, being in charge of um, because you are you, you you're the captain of that airplane you're only responsible for those children 100 while that when that door is shut right and and, and you can't. And I know they go like, well no, if there's a disruption, we gotta we gotta remove the disruption immediately because the disruption will then cause five other kids to be right. disruptive and then the day's gone and I'm evaluated by on a whole bunch of things that that cannot be derailed by the day being sacrificed by disruptions. And so it's a difficult proposition for everybody.
2: Mm. Yeah, for sure.
3: And so I just I don't know if there's a point there other than just to recognize that for the school, the administrators, the teachers, the kids the parents, because we're like, oh my gosh, now I have to, I have to prove to the school that I'm in charge at home, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's, just a, it's very difficult, and, and I think that, um, I feel like we could have 20 conversations on this, mm-hmm. and, and wheel some some other teachers mm-hmm. in here, and not, not wheel, I didn't mean it like that, but, um, but bring some other teachers into the conversation, um, but on the flip side of that, it's a really closed system too, mm-hmm. because, you know, we've tried... To get small school districts, big school districts, yep. big regions, school districts out of state—I mean—and and like, well, what can you do? What can you do in one hour? Well, nothing. Yeah, yeah. nothing transformative in one hour. And I get it. In-service days are high-value real estate for the school, and and all those kinds of things. And so, and so, I just want to recognize that the problem is a complicated one for everybody, um, and and we just have to keep pushing at it. Because the only real sol- the only in my mind and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong and they will because they delight in telling me <laughs> that I'm wrong. <laughs> um, um that that the the easiest way to make an inroad into that complicated issue is if the parents change their responses.
2: Mm. Yeah. Right, I mean that's all we have control over. We don't have control of well, the system. Well, yeah, think we about, about it. Control. Right,
3: I mean, the the, the the school district's an aircraft carrier. You know, the the, the parents are a kayak. Like yeah. the, the the way to stop it, to turn it, to maneuver it, it's all easier for us. Yeah. Which is why we have to pivot in our behavior, because what happens is we sometimes get really mad at the school, and we're like, "Well, I'm not doing it." And like, like. Yeah. And, and and it's not combative. And We've talked about it being a, a partnership, like everywhere. And, and if we had more time, I'd, I'd, I'd throw the next one out there. Because you know what other school kids get labeled at? Sunday school. Yeah. Right? We've done a lot of work with churches over the years. And I'm so grateful that so many churches are open to us saying, look, this is the place where we have to learn how to have right relationships. Yeah. And we need to teach that to children right away. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of it's just so complicated.
1: I will say this, um, just kind of as an aside, To any school board members who might be listeners of our podcast, you absolutely positively must get two recesses in a day back in elementary schools. No, I'm I'm quite serious. I I really think that a lot of behavioral issues you see at that age level is the run it off, yeah. Right. You cannot expect seven-year-old boys to sit in a chair for eight hours or six hours or however long the elementary school yeah. day is. You just cannot.
3: Yeah, um, you can't expect forty-seven-year-old boys to right. either. Right? I mean, you know what I'm saying?
1: at my job, I get to get up and you know go to the bathroom whenever I want, or go down to the water cooler, or you know, get, and we, we we have a, a snack box at our yeah at a little coffee station, you know, where I work. So, you know, I have all those options. Why do I? What are our children not? You know, get those options? So I really think the the lack of have physical to activity question, <laughs> <laughs> right. it really plays a role in some of these
3: these behaviors that we that we see a lot of times, especially those, at those younger ages. So you know, parenting is infinitely complicated. Yeah, um, and and I'm glad we get to talk about it. But I wish that I wish, and my wife will not agree with this. <laughs> But there's sometimes I wish like I just want to go like unfiltered like Ryan
2: unfiltered. <laughs> I definitely uh, on, will not on, agree with that. You're it, right. correct
3: because maybe we need to add another tier to the to
1: the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <You're> Ryan unfiltered. Where <laughs> we could really, you really want to know what Ryan and Chris think about things. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> no, but
3: here, here's here's my point about that. The, the parenting is infinitely complicated. And, and we have to be able to, if we want to be better parents, and all of us say we want to be better parents, we have to be able to take a very, very honest look at why we do things the way we do. Mm. And we rarely can do that by ourselves, which is, to Kayla's point earlier, right? You're the hero in your own story when you retell it. Mm. right? But here's the thing. And for us, we're all married and none of us, when our spouse addresses an issue with us, is betting a thousand in good responses. <laughs> that's just the truth.
2: Yes, that's. I can. I can honestly say that is true.
3: But what we need to do is, we need to get there, because the person that's made a life with you can see you clearly, mm. right? Kayla sees me clearly. I see her clearly. But I think we both accept that. But if we disagree about something, we will. That's the first. That's the first <laughs> level of agreement that's out the window. <laughs> But we're back to the lack of humility at that point. yeah. And, and so part of, part of the reason why kids don't, can't just get up and go to the bathroom when they want to uh, is because you weren't allowed to do that when you were a kid, so why do they get to? Yeah, right. And there's this whole that which was done to me has to be done to you mentality that we filter everything through. Like I don't understand that at all. I don't understand that at all. And people say, well, I mean, I didn't have snacks when I was in I couldn't get up and get, have a snack basket in my classroom, and I turned out okay. <laughs> words, <laughs> words that are like kryptonite to my soul. But I tell people did this. You,
1: did you really turn out okay?
3: <laughs> I tell people like this. The world I was raised to live in no longer exists. Mm-hmm. It's physically still here, yeah. but it's functionally not the same thing.
1: Yeah, that was something that uh, kind of came to my mind when you talked a minute ago about... Uh, how we'd love to get, you know, teachers on here. I, I would love I, I'm I'm certain there's a teacher like this out there that loves the profession so much that she may have been teaching when I was in school and may have just recently retired. <laughs> right? Like yeah. I mean, I have to do
3: the math. You're kinda old. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>
1: The green room is really going to be interesting now.
2: She was a young uh, teacher when he was a senior in high school. So the
3: green room is just going to be all the all the pre-recording stuff that we have. <laughs> it's going to be outtakes. So, um, oh.
1: but you know, I, w- I would love to to get someone if someone's perspective who had been in the teacher profession like that amount multiple of time, multiple generations, to see yeah. what changes they noticed in the same age groups, right? Like if they had
3: stuck with the same age group, it's like it's like the. Um, it's like the guy who said, you know, uh, I forget, it was Tom Brokaw maybe? No, I don't remember. It was some some TV guy and when his grandmother died um, like 20 years ago, whatever, it wasn't Tom Brokaw, it was somebody else. But he said, um, his grandmother was a fascinating woman to to talk to. He said, because when she was a kid, she traveled on an Ox Wagon. Mm. Before she died, she flew on a 747. Yeah. And just to talk to her just about how transportation changed over her life, mm-hmm. said it was endlessly fascinating. So that, that's what made, made me think of that when you said that because that would be a fascinating discussion yeah. right. with, with somebody.
2: Well, I mean, even, you know, I haven't, I haven't taught in about 10 years now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's been about 10 years since I was in a classroom teaching little kids, I should say. I've taught a lot in the last 10 years. But um, since I've been in a classroom, but I remember as, you know, when in my last couple of years of teaching, kids were starting to get cell phones. Now I taught third grade, Mm. eight-year-olds. And I remember thinking... What on earth are people doing giving their eight-year-old cell phones? Mm-hmm. You know, and I still, you know, struggle with that because, you know, there are kids younger and younger and younger getting cell phones. But I remember just from, from when I first started teaching, that wasn't even a thought in anybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, I taught for a decade, and it wasn't even a thought at the beginning of my teaching career, that a kid in my class would have a cell phone. And
1: Cell phones were st- were pretty prevalent then. They
2: were still prevalent. I yeah, think, I mean, it I was. I think one of the
1: biggest differences is what type of cell phones. are well, I was going to say. I was. Versus... I was about to have them make, that to make yes. exact point
3: because those kids they could make telephone calls, and if they wanted to, uh, text the letter L. T nine. They had to press the number five three times, right?
2: Yes. Well, and when I stopped teaching, that was still, you know. It, I, there were iPhones, but there were kids getting, like, little flip phones so that they could call mom and dad at yeah. the end of the school mm-hmm. day or whatever. But I would have them ring in my classroom, and I was like, no, uh-uh. no, we're not having cell phones in the classroom. Right? were like, you're any-
3: not a trauma surgeon. You don't need to be reached all 24 there hours.
2: There weren't, weren't even yeah. any, like, rules about that, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking now, like... There are smart watches. They have to have mm-hmm. rules about smart watches and all this stuff. And we could get on a whole nother tangent about technology and stuff like that. But I just think from that perspective, how much has changed yep. and what you have to deal with in the classroom. And so, you know, there's a whole nother set of behaviors that are happening that they're having to deal with in the classroom. That you never
1: had to deal with. And I, and never well, to. I, I never had to deal with. teachers never had to deal with. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a different world now. And it's we, keep, prete- we keep pretending like it's the same thought. Yeah, right? People for sure. Because what's the thing that doesn't change yet does change in the world? You, yeah, right. Like you still have all your memories of that time. Whoa, that's deep, Turner. (laughs) Thank
0: you. That's
1: why I get paid the big bucks. Right. So that—that's but that's that's why we have that mindset, right? Because we still remember the good old days, yeah, so to speak, right. I know. They're not necessarily always the good old days. No, no, I wasn't going
3: to say that. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say, and and again, Kayla's so sick of hearing this, but I just watched The Last Dance, the documentary, and the Chicago Bulls. Mm. Have you watched this? No. Oh my gosh! Now, just a warning: that Michael Jordan cusses a lot um, in, in it, but <laughs> but just a fascinating dude. Mm. And in the I haven't
2: seen it, but I feel like I've seen. Oh my it.
3: gosh! This 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 documentary is like mindset good. Mm. And so this guy is either the most mm. the, the, the most the mentally toughest human being ever, or a complete psychopath. Mm. Likely a combination. <laughs> um, <laughs> if Michael Jordan hears this, apologies, your airness. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
3: but. But in the last episode, um, there's a guy, and it was so good. And, and, and I'm likely going to butcher it, but but I am going to watch it and watch and write it down and memorize it because I want to use this when we when we talk to audiences. The guy says, um, he wrote a book about Jordan, and he said, "Look, Michael Jordan's real talent was not his ability to play basketball." It's not his athletic ability. It's not that he can jump, that he can shoot, that he can run. It's none of those things. Michael Jordan's real talent, and uh, dude, I've got like hair standing up my arm just thinking about this. Michael Jordan's real talent was being able to be completely present in the moment.
0: Mm.
3: Unlike the rest of us who are frozen by our fear of bringing the past into the future, he doesn't think like that. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh. Like if parents could hear that and just comprehend and just and just sit and like and like sit with that for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His greatest asset is the fact that he's able to be present in the moment, every moment. He has does not have the fear. He's not crippled by his fear of bringing the past into the future. Mm. And they and this is and they asked him about that and they said because they were just like shooting like at the end of practice like you know playing horse. So you got yeah. all these NBA guys like shooting from half court and you know, banking, right. it, you know, like, like that banking it off the off the scoreboard and off the second rafter right. and all that nonsense. And they asked him like, "Are you afraid you're going to miss?" And he goes, "Why would I be afraid of missing a shot I haven't taken yet?" Mm. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, if I could." It didn't
2: even occur to him to be afraid. Like of it
3: didn't him. even occur to him that he was going to. And that's why he was so good because it didn't occur to him that he could miss. Mm. Like he never ever was troubled by that thought that he could miss, even though he missed. Yeah. He missed more than he made. Yeah, I checked his stats. He missed more than right. he made, right?
1: So is every athlete, right? Like Wayne Gretzky missed more shots than he than yeah. He I mean, scored I'd love goals, to watch a documentary
3: right? on Gretzky for the same for the same reason. And I thought to myself, and I'm not trying to get this into sports or whatever. But I thought to myself, if parents could view the world like that, yeah. Mm. And especially the parents who are parenting our population of kids yep. because, because we're going, oh, you come from this type, your family has this type of mental illness, so we have to, we have to future-proof you. We talk to the mm-hmm. parents about this a yeah. lot, right? Like, and so we come down so hard, and I think that's part of the school thing is when they're getting into trouble at school, it's not that this is just a little ki- a kid getting into trouble at school. It's like if I don't nip this in the bud. It's all the baggage
1: that the the they kid's come going, into The, kid, the kid's yeah. going,
3: I-, I don't want to visit my son in jail, so I have mm. to nip this in the bud. But that's not real. Yeah. Yeah. That's not real. So anyhow, uh, hopefully that's a, a mic drop moment. Mike, see Michael. Mike.
2: Oh, that's so, ah, good. so clever. Well, I was
1: going to say, um, if you want to hear the story of Chris riding an elevator with Michael Jordan, uh, stick around for the Green Room episode. I, I will stick around for it then. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's... you can hear that. And oh yeah, I there's some incentive that. to become a patron of the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, um... that's awesome! Yeah, end it. I want to hear that story. <laughs> well, as always, everyone. I think the well, I think the end result of this conversation over the these last two episodes is uh, don't do the double whammy. That yeah. uh, there, there are better ways, more beneficial ways as Ryan so eloquently put it, uh, to work with your kid. So as always,
0: thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss in the podcast, you can email us at podcast.onebighappyhome.com Please like and share the podcast with your friends and family, and you can find us on your favorite social platforms by searching for One Big Happy Home. For our supporters, we have a special episode after the episode called The Green Room right after this, so keep on listening. If you'd like to become a supporter, you can visit podcast.onebighappyhome.com. Thanks for listening.